0: deception see also military deception in the months leading up to the invasion the allies conducted operation bodyguard the overall strategy designed to mislead the germans as to the date and location of the main allied landings 70 operation fortitude included fortitude north a misinformation campaign using fake radio traffic to lead the germans into expecting an attack on norway 71 and Fortitude South, a major deception designed to fool the Germans into believing that the landings would take place at Pau de Calais in July. A fictitious 1st U.S. Army group was invented, supposedly located in Kent and Sussex under the command of Lieutenant General George S. Patton. The Allies constructed dummy tanks, trucks, and landing craft, and positioned them near the coast. Several military units, including two Canadian Corps and 2nd Canadian Division, moved into the area to bolster the illusion that a large force was gathering there. 47-72, 4772, 72 as well as the broadcast of fake radio traffic, genuine radio messages from 21st Army Group were first routed to Kent via Landline and then broadcast, to give the Germans the impression that most of the Allied troops were stationed there. 73, Patton remained stationed in England until 6 July, thus continuing to deceive the Germans into believing a second attack would take place at Calais. 74, military and civilian personnel alike were aware of the need for secrecy and the invasion troops were as much as possible kept isolated, especially in the period immediately before the invasion. One American general was sent back to the United States in disgrace after revealing the invasion date at a party. 47 The Germans thought they had an extensive network of spies operating in the UK, but in fact all their agents had been captured, and some had become double agents working for the Allies as part of the double cross system. The double agent won Pugil Garcia, a Spanish opponent of the Nazis known by the code name Garbo, developed over the two years leading up to D-Day a fake network of informants that the Germans believed were collecting intelligence on their behalf. In the months preceding D-Day, Pugel sent hundreds of messages to his superiors in Madrid, messages specially prepared by the British Intelligence Service to convince the Germans that the attack would come in July at Calais. 73-75 Many of the German radar stations on the French coast were destroyed by the RAF in preparation for the landings. 76. On the night before the invasion, in Operation Taxable, No. 617 Squadron RAF dropped strips of window, metal foil that caused a radar return mistakenly interpreted by German radar operators as a naval convoy. The illusion was bolstered by a group of small vessels towing barrage balloons. No. 218 Squadron RAF also dropped window near Boulon-Sormer in Operation Glimmer. On the same night, a small group of Special Air Service SAS, operators deployed dummy paratroopers over Le Havre and Izini. These dummies led the Germans to believe an additional airborne assault had occurred. 77. Rehearsals and Security Training Exercise with Live Ammunition Training exercises for the Overlord landings took place as early as July 1943. 78. As the nearby beach resembled the planned Normandy landing site, the town of Slapton in Devon, was evacuated in December 1943, and taken over by the armed forces as a site for training exercises that included the use of landing craft and the management of beach obstacles. 79, a friendly fire incident there on April 27, 1944 resulted in as many as 450 deaths. 80, the following day. An additional estimated 749 American soldiers and sailors died when German torpedo boats surprised members of Assault Force U conducting exercise Tiger. 81-82, exercises with landing craft and live ammunition also took place at the Combined Training Centre in Inverray in Scotland. 83, naval exercises took place in Northern Ireland, and medical teams in London and elsewhere rehearsed how they would handle the expected waves of casualties. 84, paratroopers conducted exercises including a huge demonstration drop on March 23, 1944 observed by Churchill, Eisenhower, and other top officials. 85. Allied planners considered tactical surprise to be a necessary element of the plan for the landings. 86. Information on the exact date and location of the landings was provided only to the topmost levels of the armed forces. Men were sealed into their marshalling areas at the end of May, with no further communication with the outside world. 87. Troops were briefed using maps that were correct in every detail except for the place names, and most were not told their actual destination until they were already at sea. 88, a news blackout in Britain increased the effectiveness of the deception operations. 47, travel to and from the Republic of Ireland was banned, and movement within several kilometers of the coast of England restricted. 89. Weather Forecasting Men of the British 22nd Independent Parachute Company 6th Airborne Division being briefed for the invasion, For June 5, 1944. The invasion planners specified a set of conditions regarding the timing of the invasion, deeming only a few days in each month suitable. A full moon was desirable, as it would provide illumination for aircraft pilots and have the highest tides. The Allies wanted to schedule the landings for shortly before dawn, midway between low and high tide, with the tide coming in. This would improve the visibility of obstacles the enemy had placed on the beach while minimizing the amount of time the men had to spend exposed in the open. Specific criteria were also set for wind speed, visibility, and cloud cover. 90 Eisenhower had tentatively selected 5th of June as the date for the assault. However, on 4th of June, conditions were clearly unsuitable for a landing. High winds and heavy seas made it impossible to launch landing craft, and low clouds would prevent aircraft from finding their targets. 91 by the evening of 4th of June, the Allied Meteorological Team, headed by Group Captain James Stagg of the Royal Air Force, predicted that the weather would improve sufficiently so that the invasion could go ahead on 6th of June. He met Eisenhower and other senior commanders at their headquarters at Southwick House in Hampshire to discuss the situation. 92, General Montgomery and Major General Walter Smith, Eisenhower's chief of staff, were eager to launch the invasion. Admiral Bertram Ramsey was prepared to commit his ships while Air Chief Marshal Trafford Lee Mallory expressed concern that the conditions would be unfavorable for Allied aircraft. After much discussion, Eisenhower decided that the invasion should go ahead. 93. Allied control of the Atlantic meant that German meteorologists did not have access to as much information as the Allies on incoming weather patterns. 76. As the Luftwaffe Meteorological Center in Paris predicted two weeks of stormy weather, many Wehrmacht commanders left their posts to attend war games in Rennes, and men in many units were given leave. 94. Marshal Erwin Rommel returned to Germany for his wife's birthday and to meet Hitler to try to get more panzers. 95. Had Eisenhower postponed the invasion, the next available period with the right combination of tides, but without the desirable full moon, was two weeks later, from 18 to 20 June. As it happened, during this period the invaders would have encountered a major storm lasting four days between 19 and 22 June, that would have made the initial landings impossible. 91. German Preparations and Defenses German Troops of the Indian Legion on the Atlantic Wall in France, March 21, 1944 Nazi Germany had at its disposal 50 divisions in France and the Low Countries, with another 18 stationed in Denmark and Norway. F. 15 divisions were in the process of formation in Germany, but there was no strategic reserve. 96. The Calais region was defended by the 15th Army under Generaloberst Colonel General Hans von Samuth and Normandy by the 7th Army commanded by Generaloberst Friedrich Dommen. 9798 combat losses throughout the war, particularly on the eastern front, meant the Germans no longer had a pool of able young men from which to draw. German soldiers were now on average 6 years older than their allied counterparts. Many in the Normandy area were and Eastern Legions conscripts and volunteers from Turkestan, 99, Russia, Mongolia, and elsewhere. The WMAT had provided them mainly with unreliable captured equipment, they lacked motorized transport. 100, formations that arrived later, such as the 12th SS Panzer Division hitler and, were for the most part younger and far better equipped and trained than the static troops stationed along the coast. 101 In early 1944, West was significantly weakened by personnel and materiel transfers to the Eastern Front. During the Soviet Dnieper Carpathian Offensive, December 24, 1943, April 17, 1944, the German High Command was forced to transfer the entire two SS Panzer Corps from France, consisting of the 9th and 10th SS Panzer Divisions, as well as the 349th Infantry Division, 507th Heavy Panzer Battalion and the 311th and 322nd Stug Assault Gun Brigades. Alt old, the German forces stationed in France were deprived of 45,827 troops and 363 tanks, assault guns, and self-propelled anti-tank guns. 102. It was the first major transfer of forces from France to the east since the creation of Führer Directive 51, which no longer allowed any transfers from the west to the east. 103. There were also transfers to the Italian front, von had complained that many of his best units had been sent on a fool's errand to Italy, saying it was madness, that frightful boot of a country should have been evacuated, we should have held a decent front with a few divisions on the Alpine frontier. 104. The 1st SS Panzer Division Leibstandard SS Adolf Hitler, 9th, 11th, 19th and 116th Panzer Divisions, alongside the 2nd SS Panzer Division Das Reich had only arrived in March to May 1944 to France for extensive refit after being badly damaged during dnieper Carpathian operation. Seven of the 11 Panzer or Panzer-Green-Adder divisions stationed in France were still not fully operational or only partially mobile in early June 1944. 105. Atlantic Wall Main article, Atlantic Wall Atlantic Wall Alarmed by the raids on St. Nazaire and Dieppe in 1942, Hitler ordered the construction of fortifications all along the Atlantic coast, from Spain to Norway, to protect against an expected Allied invasion. He envisioned 15,000 emplacements manned by 300,000 troops, but due to shortages, particularly of concrete and manpower, most of the strong points were never built. 106. As the expected site of an Allied invasion, Calais was heavily defended. 106. In the Normandy area the best fortifications were concentrated at the port facilities at Cherbourg and San Milo. 107. A report by Rundstedt to Hitler in October 1943 regarding the weak defences in France led to the appointment of Rommel to oversee the construction of further fortifications along the expected invasion front, which stretched from the Netherlands to Cherbourg. 106-108, Rommel was given command of the newly reformed Army Group B which included the 7th Army, the 15th Army, and the forces guarding the Netherlands. 109-110, Nazi Germany's Tangled Command structure made it difficult for Rommel to achieve his task. He was not allowed to give orders to the organization Todd, which was commanded by Armaments Minister Albert Speer, so in some places he had to assign soldiers to do construction work. 107. Beach Obstacles at Pas-de-Calais, April 18, 1944 Rommel believed that the Normandy coast could be a possible landing point for the invasion, so he ordered the construction of extensive defensive works along that shore. In addition to concrete gun emplacements at strategic points along the coast, he ordered wooden stakes, metal tripods, mines, and large anti-tank obstacles to be placed on the beach to delay the approach of landing craft and to impede the movement of tanks. 111, expecting the Allies to land at high tide so that the infantry would spend less time exposed on the beach. He ordered many of these obstacles to be placed at the high tide mark. 90, tangles of barbed wire, booby traps, and the removal of ground cover made the approach hazardous for infantry. 111, on Rommel's order, the number of mines along the coast was tripled. 107, given the Allied air supremacy. 4,029 Allied aircraft assigned to operations in Normandy, plus 5,514 aircraft assigned to bombing and defense, versus 570 Luftwaffe planes stationed in France and the Low Countries. 90, booby trapped stakes known as Rommel's Spargel, Rommel's asparagus, were set up in meadows and fields to deter airborne landings. 107. Mobile Reserves Rommel, believing that the Germans' best chance was to stop the invasion at the shore, requested that mobile reserves especially tanks, be stationed as close to the coast as possible. Ronstadt, General Leo Geyer von Schwettenberg, commander of Panzer Group West, and other senior commanders believed that the invasion could not be stopped on the beaches. Gaier argued for a conventional doctrine, keeping the panzer formations concentrated in a central position around Paris and Rouen and deploying them only when a main Allied beachhead had been identified. Geyer also noted that in the Italian campaign the armor station near the coast had been damaged by naval bombardment. Rommel's opinion was that because of the overwhelming Allied air superiority, large-scale movement of tanks would not be possible once the invasion was underway. Hitler made the final decision, he left three divisions under Geyer's command and gave Rommel operational control of three tank divisions as reserves. Hitler took personal control of four divisions as strategic reserves, not to be used without his direct orders. 112-113-114 Invasion Main Articles, Invasion of Normandy and Normandy Landings You are about to embark upon the great crusade, toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. In company with our brave allies and brothers in arms on other fronts, you will bring about the destruction of the German war machine, the elimination of Nazi tyranny over the oppressed peoples of Europe, and security for ourselves in a free world. Eisenhower, Letter to Allied Forces 115 British Pathfinders synchronized their watches in front of an Armstrong Whitworth Albemarle. By May 1944, 1.5 million American troops had arrived in the United Kingdom. 59, most were housed in temporary camps in the southwest of England, ready to move across the Channel to the western section of the landing zone. British and Canadian troops were billeted in accommodation further east. Spread from Southampton to New Haven, and even on the East Coast for men who would be coming across in later waves. A complex system called movement control assured that the men and vehicles left on schedule from 20 departure points. 87. Some men had to board their craft nearly a week before departure. 116. The ships met at a rendezvous point, nicknamed Piccadilly Circus, southeast of the Isle of Wight to assemble into convoys to cross the channel. 117. Minesweepers began clearing lanes on the evening of 5 of June, 91, and a thousand bombers left before dawn to attack the coastal defenses. 118, some 1,200 aircraft departed England just before midnight to transport three airborne divisions to their drop zones behind enemy lines several hours before the beach landings. 119, the American 82nd and 101st Airborne Divisions were assigned objectives on the Coton Dan Peninsula west of Utah. The British 6th Airborne Division was assigned to capture intact the bridges over the Conn Canal and River Orne. 120. The Free French 4th SAS Battalion of 538 men was assigned objectives in Brittany Operation Dingson, Operation Sam West. 121 122. Some 132,000 men were transported by sea on D Day, and a further 24,000 came by air. 87. Preliminary naval bombardment commenced at 5.45 and continued until 6.25 from five battleships, 20 cruisers, 65 destroyers, and two monitors. 87-123, infantry began arriving on the beaches at around 6.30. 124. Beaches. Main Articles, Utah Beach, Point du Hoc, Omaha Beach, Gold Beach, Juno Beach, and Sword Beach. U.S. Soldiers of the 8th Infantry, 4th Infantry Division advance over the seawall at Utah The craft bearing the U.S. 4th Infantry Division assaulting Utah were pushed by the current to a spot about 1,800 meters south of their intended landing zone. The troops met light resistance, suffering fewer than 200 casualties. 125-126, their efforts to push inland fell far short of their targets for the first day, but they were able to advance about 4 miles. 6.4 kilometers, making contact with the 101st Airborne Division. 5127, the airborne landings west of Utah were not very successful, as only 10% of the paratroopers landed in their drop zones. Gathering the men together into fighting units was made difficult by a shortage of radios and by the terrain, with its hedgerows, stone walls and marshes. 128-129, the 82nd Airborne Division captured its primary objective at saint emir and worked to protect the western flank. 130. Its failure to capture the river crossings at the River Merdirit resulted in a delay in sealing off the Cotantan Peninsula. 131. The 101st Airborne Division helped protect the southern flank and captured the lock on the river duvet la 129, but did not capture the assigned nearby bridges on the first day. 132. At Point du Hoc, The task for the 200 men of the 2nd Ranger Battalion, commanded by Lieutenant Colonel James Rudder, was to scale the 30 meters, 98 feet, cliffs with ropes and ladders to destroy the gun battery located there. While under fire from above, the men scaled the cliff, only to discover that the guns had already been withdrawn. The Rangers located the weapons, unguarded but ready to use, in an orchard some 550 meters, 600 yards, south of the point, and disabled them. Under attack. The men at the point became isolated, and some were captured. By dawn on D-plus-1, Rudder had only 90 men able to fight. Relief did not come until D-plus-2, when members of the 743rd Tank Battalion arrived. 133. The photograph into the jaws of death shows American troops, part of the U.S. 1st Infantry Division, leaving a Higgins boat on Omaha. Omaha, the most heavily defended sector was assigned to the U.S. 1st Infantry Division, supplemented by troops from the U.S. 29th Infantry Division. 126-134, they faced the 352nd Infantry Division, rather than the expected single regiment. 135, strong currents forced many landing craft east of their intended position or delayed them. Casualties were heavier than all the other landings combined, as the men were subjected to fire from the cliffs above. 136. Problems clearing the beach of obstructions led to the beachmaster calling a halt to further landings of vehicles at 8.30. A group of destroyers arrived around this time to offer supporting artillery fire. 137, exit from Omaha was possible only via five gullies, and by late morning barely 600 men had reached the higher ground. By noon, as the artillery fire took its toll and the Germans started to run out of ammunition, the Americans were able to clear some lanes on the beaches. They also started clearing the draws of enemy defenses so that vehicles could move off the beach. 138. The tenuous beachhead was expanded over the following days, and the D-Day objectives were accomplished by D-plus 3. 139. Gold, as of June 7, 1944. At Gold, high winds made conditions difficult for the landing craft, and the amphibious DD tanks were landed close to shore or directly on the beach instead of further out as planned. 140. Aerial attacks had failed to hit the Le Hamel strong point, and its 75mm gun continued to do damage until 1600 hours. On the western flank, the 1st Battalion, Hampshire Regiment captured Aramanches, future site of Mulberry B, and contact was made on the eastern flank with the Canadian forces at Juneau. 141 Landings of infantry at Juno were delayed because of rough seas, and the men arrived ahead of their supporting armor, suffering many casualties while disembarking. Most of the offshore bombardment had missed the German defenses. In spite of these difficulties, the Canadians quickly cleared the beach and created two exits to the villages above. Delays in taking Benny Sormer led to congestion on the beach, but by nightfall the contiguous Juno and Gold beachheads covered an area 12 miles, 19 kilometers, wide and 7 miles, 10 kilometers, deep. 142 casualties at juno were 961 men 143 on sword 21 of 25 dd tanks succeeded in getting safely ashore to provide cover for the infantry who began disembarking at 730 they quickly cleared the beach and created several exits for the tanks in the windy conditions the tide came in more quickly than expected, making maneuvering the armor difficult 144. The 2nd Battalion, King's Shropshire Light Infantry advanced on foot to within a few kilometers of Caen, but had to withdraw due to lack of armor support. 145, at 1600 hours, the German 21st Panzer Division mounted a counterattack between Sword and Juno and nearly succeeded in reaching the coast. They met stiff resistance from the British 3rd Infantry Division and were soon recalled to assist in the area between Caen and Bay Ux. 146-147 The Build-Up at Omaha Beach U.S. 2nd Infantry Division troops and equipment moving inland toward saint laurent sur on D-plus-1, June 7, 1944. The first components of the Mulberry Harbors were brought across on D-plus-1 and the structures were in use for unloading by mid-June. 63, one was constructed at Harrimanches by the British, the other at Omaha by the Americans. Severe storms on 19th of June interrupted the landing of supplies and destroyed the Omaha Harbor. 148. The Repair de Harbour was able to receive around 6,000 tonnes of materiel daily and was in continuous use for the next 10 months, but most shipments were brought in over the beaches until the port of Cherbourg was cleared of mines and obstructions on 16 July 149-150. Allied casualties on the first day were at least 10,000, with 4,414 confirmed dead. 151. The Germans lost 1,000 men. 152. The Allied invasion plans had called for the capture of Caen, St. Lowe, Khan, and Bayeux on the first day, with all the beaches, other than Utah, linked with a front line 10 to 16 kilometers, 6 to 10 miles, from the beaches, none of these objectives were achieved. 50. The five bridgeheads were not connected until 12 June, by which time the Allies held a front around 97 kilometers, 60 miles, long and 24 kilometers, 15 miles, deep. 153. Khan, a major objective, was still in German hands at the end of D-Day and would not be completely captured until 21 July. 154, nearly 160,000 troops crossed the English Channel on 6th of June, and more than 2 million Allied troops were in France by the end of August. 155. Cherbourg Main Articles, Battle of Cherbourg and Bombardment of Cherbourg In the western part of the lodgment, U.S. troops were to occupy the Cotentin Peninsula, especially Cherbourg, which would provide the Allies with a deep-water harbor. The terrain behind Utah and Omaha was characterized by bocage, with thorny hedgerows on embankments three to four feet (0.91 to 1.2 meters) high, with a ditch on either side. 156. Many areas were additionally protected by rifle pits and machine gun emplacements. 157. Most of the roads were too narrow for tanks. 156, the Germans had flooded the fields behind Utah with seawater for up to 2 miles, 3.2 kilometers, from the coast. 158, German forces on the peninsula included the 91st Infantry Division and the 243rd and 709th Static Infantry Divisions. 159, by D plus 3 the Allied commanders realized that Cherbourg would not quickly be taken, and decided to cut off the peninsula to prevent any further reinforcements from being brought in. 160, after failed attempts by the inexperienced 90th Infantry Division, Major General J. Lawton Collins, the 7th Corps commander, assigned the veteran 9th Infantry Division to the task. They reached the west coast of the Coton on 17th of June, cutting off Cherbourg. 161, the 9th Division, joined by the 4th and 79th Infantry Divisions, took control of the peninsula in fierce fighting from 19 June, Cherbourg was captured on 26th of June. By this time, the Germans had destroyed the port facilities, which were not brought back into full operation until September 162. Operation Bodyguard. From Wikipedia, the free encyclopedia. Jump to navigation, jump to search. Operation Bodyguard. Part of Operation Neptune. Tehran Conference 1943. JPG. Allied leaders Joseph Stalin, Franklin D. Roosevelt, and Winston Churchill at the Tehran Conference. Type Military Deception Plan July 14, 1943, June 6, 1944 Plan by London Controlling Section Ops, B, R Force Objective Conceal the Normandy landings Make Calais appear to be the main landing target Mask the actual date and time of the invasion of Normandy Occupy German reinforcements in Calais. Executed by Allied States outcome tactical success germans taken by surprise reinforcements significantly delayed operation overlord invasion of normandy operation bodyguard was the code name for a world war ii deception plan employed by the allied states before the 1944 invasion of northwest europe the plan was intended to mislead the german high command as to the time and place of the invasion The plan contained several operations, which culminated in the tactical surprise over the Germans during the Normandy landings on June 6, 1944, D-Day, and delayed German reinforcements to the region for some time afterwards. German coastal defenses were stretched thin in 1944, as they prepared to defend all of the coast of northwest Europe. The Allies had already employed deception operations against the Germans, aided by the capture of all of the German agents in the United Kingdom and the systematic decryption of German Enigma communications. Once Normandy had been chosen as the site of the invasion, it was decided to attempt to deceive the Germans into thinking it was a diversion and that the true invasion was to be elsewhere. Planning for bodyguards started in 1943 under the auspices of the London Controlling Section, LCS. A draft strategy, referred to as Plan Jail, was presented to Allied High Command at the Tehran Conference in late November and approved on 6th of December. The objective of this plan was to lead the Germans to believe that the invasion of Northwest Europe would come later than was planned and to expect attacks elsewhere, including the Pas de Calais, the Balkans, southern France, Norway and Soviet attacks in Bulgaria and northern Norway. Operation Bodyguard succeeded and the Normandy landings took the Germans by surprise. The subsequent deception suggesting that the Normandy landings were a diversion led Hitler to delay sending reinforcements from the Pas-de-Calais region for nearly seven weeks, the original plan had specified 14 days. Contents 1. Background 2. Plan Jail 3. Early 1944 Planning 4. Western Front 4.1 Operation Fortitude 4.2 Operation Ironside 5. Political Pressure 5.1 Operation Grimm 5.2 Operation Royal Flush 6 Mediterranean Theatre 6.1 Operation Zeppelin 6.2 Operation Copperhead 7 Normandy Landings 8 Deception Methods 8.1 Special Means 8.2 Visual Deception 9 Aftermath 10 References 10.1 Bibliography Background German Troop Dispositions in France, June 1944 map depicting the targets of all the subordinate plans of bodyguard during world war ii and prior to bodyguard the allies made extensive use of deception developing many new techniques and theories the main protagonists at this time were a force set up in 1940 under dudley clark and the london controlling section chartered in 1942 under the control of john bevan one two at this stage of the war allied and german intelligence operations were heavily mismatched through the signals work at Bletchley Park much of the german lines of communication were compromised intercepts code named ultra gave the allies insights into how effectively their deceptions were operating in europe the allies had good intelligence from resistance movements and aerial reconnaissance by comparison most of the german spies sent into britain had been caught or handed themselves in and turned into double agents under the twentieth system some of the compromised agents were so trusted that by 1944 German intelligence had stopped sending new infiltrators. Within the German command structure, internal politics, suspicion, and mismanagement meant intelligence gathering had only limited effectiveness. 3 4. By 1943, Hitler was defending the entire European western coast, with no clear knowledge of where an Allied invasion might land. His tactic was to defend the entire length and rely on reinforcements to quickly respond to any landings. In France, the Germans deployed two army groups. One of these, Army Group B, was deployed to protect the coastline, the 15th Army covering the Pas-de-Calais region and the 7th Army in Normandy. 5. Following a decision to defer the invasion, Operation Overlord, until 1944, the Allies conducted a series of deceptions intended to threaten invasion in Norway and France. Operation Cockade was intended to confuse the German High Command as to Allied intentions, and to draw them into air battles across the Channel. In this respect Cockade was not a success, with German forces barely responding even as a fake invasion force crossed the channel, turning back some distance from their target. 6. Plan Jail Planning for bodyguard began even before Operation Cockade was fully underway, following the decision that Normandy would be the site of the coming invasion. The departments responsible for deception, a force, Kosk B, and the London Controlling Section, began to address the problem of achieving tactical surprise for Overlord. They produced a paper, entitled First Thoughts, on July 14, 1943 outlining many of the concepts that would later form the Bodyguard Plan. However, as Cockade concluded with limited success, most of the Allied High Command were sceptical that any new deception would work. 7-8 In August, Colonel John Henry Bevan, head of the London Controlling Section, presented a draft plan, code-named jail, a reference to the Old Testament heroine who killed an enemy commander by deception, it would have attempted to deceive the Germans into thinking that the Allies had delayed the invasion for a further year, instead concentrating on the Balkan theater and air bombardment of Germany through 1944. The plan had a mixed reception in the Allied high command and in October a decision on the draft was deferred until after the Tehran conference, a month later. 8. Meanwhile, Kosk had been working on its own deception strategy. Appendix Y of Operation Overlord Plan. The plan, also known as Torrent, had originated in early September at Kosk. It started life as a faint invasion of the Calais region shortly before D-Day and eventually, after the failure of a similar scheme during Cockade, transformed into a plan to divert attention from troop build-up in the southwest of England. Nine, these early ideas, which later became Operation Bodyguard, recognized that the Germans would expect an invasion. Instead the core of the plan suggested misleading the enemy as to the exact time and location of the invasion and to keep them on the back foot once it had landed. 7. During November and December 1943, the Allied leaders met twice, first in Cairo, 23-27 November, and then in Tehran, 28 November to 1 December, to decide on strategy for the following year. Bevan attended the conference and received his final orders on 6th of December. Furnished with the final details of Overlord. Bevan returned to London to complete the draft. The deception strategy, now named Bodyguard, was approved on Christmas Day 1943. The new name had been chosen based on a comment by Winston Churchill to Joseph Stalin at the Tehran Conference, in wartime, truth is so precious that she should always be attended by a Bodyguard of lies. 1011 Early 1944 Planning Memorandum on Bodyguard prepared for Chef in February 1944. Inflatable tanks were used during Operation Fortitude, one of the three major operations making up bodyguard. Operation Bodyguard aimed to deceive the enemy as to the timing, weight and direction of the prospective Allied invasion in France. It had three main goals, to make the de calais appear to be the main invasion target, to mask the actual date and time of the assault and to keep German reinforcements in de calais and other parts of Europe, for at least 14 days after landing. 12. Bodyguard set out a detailed scenario that the deceivers would attempt to sell to the Germans. This included Allied belief in air bombardment as an effective way of winning the war, with the 1944 focus on building bomber fleets. It then specified invasions across the entire European coastline, in Norway, France and the Mediterranean. In January, planners began to fill in the details of Bodyguard, producing the various sub-operations to cover each of the invasions and misdirection. 13. The task fell to two main departments. A force under Dudley Clark, which had been successful early on, were once again given the Mediterranean region. In Europe, however, responsibility shifted away from the LCS, who took on a coordination role. Prior to Eisenhower's appointment as Supreme Commander, all planning for Overlord fell to the Chief of Staff to the Supreme Commander Allied Forces, COSC, Frederick E. Morgan. Under his regime the Deception Department, Ops, B, had received limited resources leaving most of the planning so far to the London Controlling Section. With Eisenhower's arrival ops, B, expanded and Dudley Clark's deputy from a force, Noel Wilde, was placed in control. With these new resources the department put together the largest single segment of bodyguard, Operation Fortitude. 13. Western Front Bodyguard focused on obfuscating the impending Normandy landings, planned for spring, summer 1944 and so the main effort was focused around the Western Front. The planners created Fortitude, building on elements of the earlier cockade, which encapsulated an entire fictional Allied invasion plan against targets in France and Norway. Its main undertaking was, through the various deception techniques, to overstate the size of the Allied forces in Britain through the early 1944, enabling them to threaten multiple targets at once. Operation Fortitude Insignia of the First United States Army Group the Key Fictional Formation of Operation Fortitude Main Article, Operation Fortitude Under the Fortitude story, the Allies intended to invade both Norway and Potokale. Using similar techniques to the 1943 cockade operation, fictional field armies, faked operations, and false leaked information, the intention was to increase the apparent size of the Allied forces to make such a large-scale attack seem possible. To allow the plan to stay manageable it was divided into two main sections, each with numerous sub-plans, Fortitude North and South. Fortitude North was aimed at German forces in Scandinavia and based around the fictional British Fourth Army, based in Edinburgh. The Fourth Army had first been activated the previous year, as part of cockade to threaten Norway and tie down the enemy division station there. The Allies created the illusion of the army via fake radio traffic, Operation Sky, and leaks through double agents. 1415 Fortitude South employed similar deception in the south of England, threatening an invasion at Pas-de-Calais by the fictional 1st U.S. Army Group, (FUSAG) led by U.S. General George Patton. France was the crux of the bodyguard plan, with Calais as the most logical choice for an invasion, the Allied high command had to mislead the German defenses in a very small geographical area. The Pas-de-Calais offered advantages over the chosen invasion site such as the shortest crossing of the English Channel and the quickest route into Germany. Having a high regard for Patton, German command, particularly Rommel, took steps to heavily fortify that area of coastline. The Allies decided to amplify this belief of a Calais landing. 16. General Bernard Montgomery, commanding the Allied landing forces, knew that the crucial aspect of any invasion was the ability to grow a beachhead into a full front. He also had only limited divisions at his command, 37 compared to around 60 German formations. Fortitude South's main aims were to give the impression of a much larger invasion force, the Fusag, in the southeast of England, to achieve tactical surprise in the Normandy landings, and, once the invasion had occurred, to mislead the Germans into thinking it a diversionary tactic with Calais the real objective. 16. Operation Ironside Main article, Operation Ironside While fortitude represented the major thrust of bodyguard in support of the Normandy landings, several smaller plans added to the overall picture of confusion. On the western front the largest of these was Operation Ironside. Intercepted communications during January 1944 indicated German high command feared the possibility of landings along the Bay of Biscay, in particular near Bordeaux. The following month they ordered anti-invasion exercises to be carried out in the region. To play on these fears the Allies instigated Operation Ironside. 17. The plot for Ironside was that two divisions sailing from the UK would land on the Garonne estuary ten days after D Day. After a beachhead had been established, a further six divisions would arrive direct from the United States. The force would then capture Bordeaux before linking up with the supposed Operation Vendetta, another deception operation, forces in the south of France. 1819. Ironside was implemented entirely via double agents, specifically Date, Bronx, and Garbo. 17. The Twenty Committee, in charge of anti-espionage and deception operations of British military intelligence, were cautious about the plausibility of the story and so did not promote it too heavily through their agents. Messages sent to their German handlers included elements of uncertainty. Twenty, this, combined with the fact that Bordeaux was an implausible target, the landing site was far outside the range of fighter cover from the UK, meant that the Germans took very little notice of the rumours and even went as far as to identify it as a probable deception. Despite this. The Abwehr continued to send their agents questions related to the landings until early June, and following D-Day the Germans maintained a state of readiness in the region. 17. Political Pressure One recurring theme for bodyguard was the use of political deception. Bevan had concerns over the impact that physical and wireless deception could have. In early 1944 he proposed the Holy Political Ploy Operation gram as a way to bolster elements of the bodyguard plan. 21. Ronald Wingate extended these ideas to create the larger Operation Royal Flush a few months later. 22. Despite not gaining much traction with the targeted governments, Graham did influence the thinking of German commanders and push them towards accepting other aspects of the bodyguard plan. 23. Royal Flush was, however, less successful, with a report by the ABRA identifying the targeted countries as outspoken deception centers. It became the last political overture attempted as part of bodyguard. 24. Operation Graham Main Article, Operation Graham Graham's political target was Sweden, and its main aim was to support the goals of Fortitude North. It was intended to imply that the Allies were building political ties with Sweden, in preparation for an upcoming invasion of Norway. The operation involved meetings between several British and Swedish officials, as well as the purchase of Norwegian securities and the use of double agents to spread rumors. During the war, Sweden maintained a neutral stance and it was hoped that if the government were convinced of an imminent Allied invasion of Norway this would filter through to German intelligence. 21-25-26 Planning for the operation began in February 1944, Devon was concerned that Fortitude North was not sufficient in creating a threat against Norway, and so he proposed Gren as an additional measure. In contrast to the other aspects of bodyguard, the operation was planned and executed by the British, with no American involvement. 21. Graham was envisioned as an extension of existing pressure the Allies were placing on Sweden to end their neutral stance, one example being the requests to end the export of ball bearings, an important component in military hardware, to Germany. By increasing this pressure with additional false requests, Bevan hoped to further convince the Germans that Sweden was preparing to join the Allies. 25. The impact of Graham was minimal. The Swedish government agreed to few of the concessions requested during the meetings, and few high-level officials were convinced that the Allies would invade Norway. Overall, the influence of Graham and Fortitude North on German strategy in Scandinavia is disputed. 27-28 Operation Royal Flush Main Article, Operation Royal Flush Royal Flush was proposed and planned by the LCS Ronald Wingate in April 1944. Building on the approach of Graham he hoped to support other bodyguard deceptions in the Western and Mediterranean theatres by making political overtures to Sweden, Spain, and Turkey. The operation continued Graham's work in Sweden by having ambassadors from the UK, US and Russia demand that the Germans be denied access to the country following an allied invasion of Norway. 22-29 Mediterranean Theatre While overall control of bodyguard came out of London, local implementation of the Mediterranean portions were left to a force. By this time Clark had split the group into several sections, between Egypt and Italy, with responsibility for strategic or tactical deception. 13. From the outset, bodyguard focused on the fortitude threat being developed on the Western Front. Deceptions planned in the Mediterranean were intended to tie down forces by creating threats to that appeared just realistic enough. 30. In late 1943 the Allies had opened a front in Italy and following the 1944 Normandy landing's focus returned to the Mediterranean as a second front was debated. 31-32, eventually deceptions had to be realigned to the Allies' new invasion plans, having at first threatened the very place that the earlier operations had suggested as a target. 33-34 Operation Zeppelin Main Article, Operation Zeppelin, Deception Plan Zeppelin was the Mediterranean equivalent of Fortitude intended to tie down German forces in the area by threatening landings in the Balkans, particularly Crete or Romania. A force employed similar tactics as before, simulating the existence of the 9th, 10th and 12th armies in Egypt via exercises and radio traffic. Although German High Command believed these forces to be real, only three understrength divisions were actually in the area. 30. Operation Copperhead Main Article, Operation Copperhead Black and white photograph of a middle aged man dressed in British Army uniform. M. E. Clifton James in the guise of Montgomery. Copperhead was a small decoy operation within the scope of Bodyguard, suggested by Clark and planned by a force. 35. The deception, undertaken just prior to D Day, was intended to mislead German intelligence as to the whereabouts of Montgomery. It was theorized that, as a well known battle commander, Montgomery's presence outside of England would signal to the Germans that an invasion was not imminent. The actor Emmy Clifton James, who bore a strong resemblance to the general, made public appearances in Gibraltar and North Africa. The Allies hoped it would indicate a forthcoming invasion via the Mediterranean. The operation is not known to have made a significant impact. According to captured enemy generals, German intelligence believed that it was Montgomery, though they still guessed that it was a feint. 36. Normandy Landings A paradummy, of the sort dropped into Normandy during Operation Titanic main articles d-day naval deceptions and operation titanic elements of the bodyguard plan were in operation on june 6 1944 in support of operation neptune the amphibious assault of normandy elaborate naval deceptions operations glimmer taxable and big drum were undertaken in the english channel 37 small ships and aircraft simulated invasion fleets lying off Pota calais captain tiffer and the western flank of the real invasion force 38 At the same time Operation Titanic involved the raft dropping fake paratroopers to the east and west of the Normandy landings. Juan Pugel Garcia, a Spanish double agent working for British intelligence, codenamed Garbo, in high standing with the Germans, transmitted information about the Allied invasion plan with a further warning that the Normandy invasion was not a diversion. This information was transmitted at the behest of the British High Command in order to increase his credibility to the Germans and was done at a time when it was too late to fortify Normandy. Following the landings, some small tactical deceptions were used to add further confusion. Operation Paradise, IV, established a number of decoy exits and staging areas around the Normandy beaches to draw German attacks. 39. Deception Methods The bodyguard deceptions were implemented in several ways, including double agents, radio traffic and visual deception. Once planning for each stage had been completed, various operational units were tasked with carrying out the deceptions. In some cases this could be specialist formations, such as our force, but in other cases it fell to regular units. Special Means Juan Pugil Garcia, Garbo A large part of the various bodyguard operations involved the use of double agents. The British double-cross anti-espionage operation had proven very successful from the outset of the war. 40. The LCS was able to use double agents to send back misleading information about Allied invasion plans. 41. By contrast, Allied intelligence was very good. Ultra, signals intelligence from decrypted German radio transmission, confirmed to planners that the German high command believed in the bodyguard deceptions and gave them the enemy's order of battle. 42-43 Visual Deception The practice of using mock tanks and other military hardware had been developed during the North Africa campaign, especially in Operation Bertram for the attack at El Alamein. Or bodyguard the Allies put less reliance in these forms of deception, due to a belief that the German ability to directly reconnoiter England was limited. Some mock hardware was, however, created, in particular dummy landing craft that were stockpiled in the supposed Fuzag staging area. Aftermath Operation Bodyguard is regarded as a tactical success, delaying the 15th Army in the Pas-de-Calais for seven weeks thus allowing the Allies to build a beachhead and ultimately win the Battle of Normandy. In his memoirs, General Omar Bradley called bodyguard the single biggest hoax of the war. 44. In his 2004 book, The Deceivers, Thaddeus Holt attributes the success of Fortitude to the trial run of Cockade in 1943, Fortitude in 1944 could not have run as smoothly as it did if the London Controlling Section and its fellows had not gone through the exercise of Cockade in the year before. 45. References Latimer, 2004 Pages 148 to 149, Crookshank 2004, Latimer 2001, pages 207 to 208, Holt 2004, Latimer 2001, page 206, Holt 2004, pages 478 to 488, Holt 2004, pages 494 to 496, Crowdy 2008. Pages two hundred twenty-six to two hundred twenty-eight. Holt two thousand four. Pages five hundred two to five hundred three. Holt two thousand four. Pages five hundred four to five hundred five. Cave Brown nineteen seventy-five. Pages one to ten. Hesketh two thousand p twelve. Crowdy two thousand eight. Pages two hundred twenty-nine to two hundred thirty. Holt two thousand four. Pages four hundred eighty-six. Cave Brown nineteen seventy-five. Pages 464 to 466, Latimer 2001, pages 218 to 232, Holt 2005, pages 560 to 561, Holt 2005, p. 559, Hesketh 1999, p. 103, Howard 1990, p. 125, Barbier 2007, p. 52. Holt, 2005, p. 558. Barbier, 2007, p. 54. Howard, 1990, p. 127. Levine, 2011, p. 219. Sexton, 1983, p. 112. Barbier, 2007, p. 53. Barbier, 2007, p. 185 Crowdy 2008 p 289 Latimer 2001 p 215 Holt 2005 p 620 Lloyd 2003 p 93 Holt 2005 p 602 Crowdy 2008 p 290 Rankin 2008 p 178. Niv by Graham Lord, Orion Books, 2003, p. 123. Barbier, 2007, pages 70 to 71. Barbier, 2007, pages 108 to 109. Holt, 2005, p. 578. Masterman, 1972. Ambrose, 1981, p. 269. Cave Brown, 1975. Lewin 2001, p. 292. Latimer 2001, p. 238. Holt 2004, p. 493. Bibliography. Books. Barbier, Mary, 2007. D-Day Deception, Operation Fortitude and the Normandy Invasion. Greenwood Publishing Group. ISBN 0275994791. Cave Brown, Anthony. 1975. Bodyguard of Lies, The Extraordinary True Story Behind D-Day. London, Comic Book. OCLC 794,962,630. Crowdy, Terry, September 23, 2008. Deceiving Hitler, Double Cross and Deception in World War II. Osprey. ISBN 1846,031,354. Hesketh, Roger, 2000. Fortitude, The D-Day Deception Campaign. Woodstock, The Overlook Press. ISBN 1,585,670,758. Holt, Thaddeus, 2004. The Deceivers, Allied Military Deception in the Second World War. New York, Scribner. ISBN 0743250427. Howard, Michael, 1990. British Intelligence in the Second World War, Strategic Deception. New York, Cambridge University Press. ISBN 9780521401456. Yablonski, David, 1991. Churchill, The Great Game and Total War. Frank Cass. ISBN 0714633674. Lottimer, John, 2001. Deception in War. New York, Overlook Press. ISBN 9,781,585,673,810 Lewin, Ronald, 2001, 1978 Ultra Ghost War, Penguin Classic Military History Ed. London, Penguin Group ISBN 9,780,141,390,420 Levine, Joshua, 2011 Operation Fortitude the True Story of the Key Spy Operation of World War II That Saved D-Day. London, HarperCollins UK. ISBN 0007413246. Lloyd, Mark, 2003. The Art of Military Deception. New York, Pen and Sword. ISBN 1473811961. Malman Schawell, J.P., 2003. German Naval Code Breakers. Hersham, Surrey, Ian Allen Publishing. ISBN 0711028885. OCLC 181448256. Masterman, John C. 1972-1945. The Double Cross System in the War of 1939-1945. Australian National University Press. ISBN 9780708104590 Rankin, Nicholas, 2008 Churchill's Wizards, The British Genius for Deception, 1914-1945 Faber & Faber ISBN 0571221955 Journals Ambrose, Stephen E. 1981 Eisenhower, The Intelligence Community, and the D-Day Invasion The Wisconsin Magazine of History Wisconsin Historical Society 64, 4, 261-277 ISSN 00436534 Sexton, Donald J. 1983 Phantoms of the North, British Deceptions in Scandinavia, 1941-1944 Military Affairs Society for Military History 47, 3 109-114. DOI, 10.23071,988,080. ISSN 00263931. Websites. Crookshank, Charles, 2004. Clark, Dudley Rangel, 1899-1974, Oxford Dictionary of National Biography. Oxford University Press. Retrieved December 6, 2011. Allied Military Deception in World War II VT. Military Deception Categories Operation Bodyguard Military Deception During World War II World War II Operations and Battles of the Western European Theater World War II Deception Operations Navigation Menu Not logged in talk contributions create account log in article talk read edit view history search Search Wikipedia Main Page Contents Featured Content Current events. Random article. Donate to Wikipedia. Wikipedia store. Interaction. Help. About Wikipedia. Community portal. Recent changes. Contact page. Tools. What links here. Related changes. Upload file. Special pages. Permanent link. Page information. Wikidata item. Cite this page. Print, export. Download as PDF Printable version Languages Español Français Bahasa Indonesia Italiano Português 5 more Edit links This page was last edited on December 26, 2019, at 17:02 UTC Text is available under the Creative Commons Attribution-ShareAlike License; additional terms may apply by using this site you agree to the terms of use and privacy policy. Wikipedia registered is a registered trademark of the Wikimedia Foundation Incorporated, a nonprofit organization. Privacy policy about Wikipedia disclaimers contact Wikipedia Developers Statistics Cookie Statement Mobile View Wikimedia Foundation powered by MediaWiki.